Listen up. I won't sugarcoat it. This is the longest cold flu and allergy season we've ever seen, but we're not alone. We've got Instacart. Sure, you may be a coughing snot faucet who just wants mommy, but you're not giving up. Not when cold medicine, fragrant herbal teas, and honey shaped like bears can be delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. Now let's go win the sick playoffs. Daddy, I just want my soup. Oh, sorry, Sport App says it'll be here in, in a few minutes. <laughs> Instacart for the win. Alright, good evening everyone, and welcome to the 22nd episode of OT Leadership Live. My name is Bill Wong, and I will be co-facilitating our conversation this evening with my colleague Sherry Unissi. For those of you new to OT Leadership Live, welcome. And for those of you who have participated in our past episodes, welcome back. We have a great episode planned for you tonight, and I am very excited to hear from our guests, Karen Donnelly, Sarah Trainum, and Sarah Unissi about OTA student leadership. Before we dive into today's topic, I would like to review some housekeeping items in order to ensure our call runs as smoothly as possible. If you are on your phone and you haven't done so already, please press mute. If you are on your computer, please mute your microphone in order to minimize the static and feedback that can occur during the recording. Only the person currently speaking should have their device unmuted at that time. If you are on the TalkShoe website, you will notice that there's a chat room available. Please feel free to type any questions or comments throughout the episode, and we will address them at the end of the episode during the Q&A session. If you're not by a computer and are joining us via your phone, you can always live tweet with us using the hashtag OTLeadershipLive. For those of you who may have to leave early, or if you know of anyone who wasn't available to participate live in this evening, we're recording this episode and we'll be posting a link to the recording on AOTA's new online community, Community, under the AOTA General Forum, which can be easily accessed by visiting communeot.aota.org. Before we get started, I would like to give a brief summary of what OT Leadership Live is all about and who is putting it on. As I mentioned earlier, my name is Bill Wong, and I am a member of AOTA's Community of Leaders, an AOTA group or community of practice with a shared interest in leadership. For tonight's episode, we're joined by three certified occupational therapy assistants, Karen Donnelly, Sarah Trainum, and Sherry Unissi, to learn about OTA's myths and how to pay it forward and ways to create meaning and value as an OTA student. It is my pleasure an honor to introduce our guest. Karen Donnelly has been a COTA for over 35 years. She has worked in multiple areas in the OT field. She started her career in early intervention and continued on to work in school-based OT, pediatric acute rehab, and home health pediatrics. She has transitioned back and forth between skilled nursing, acute care hospitals, acute inpatient rehab, transitional care units, subacute of management. She has been a director of rehab in a community hospital, a rehab manager in a small pediatric hospital, numerous continuing education courses through MedBridge, swallowing and feeding with pediatrics, NDT in adults and pediatrics, certificates in Jen Davis stroke series, drivable, and neurovision. Currently working at Stanbridge University in Irvine, where she is an OTA instructor and teaches hands-on skills lab for OTA students and is assisting with the OTA academic field coordinators preparing and placing students for level one, especially locating emerging practice areas for OTA students to complete their fieldwork. She is taking courses in business management and currently completing her BS in healthcare management. 
Welcome, Karen. Thank you, Bill. Sarah Trainer, no problem. Thank you. Sarah Trainum has been a certified occupational therapy assistant for more than 20 years. She is the current program director for the Jamestown Community College OTA program in Western New York. Prior to this position, she served as the academic field coordinator for 17 years. Besides her associate's degree in occupational therapy, she holds a bachelor's degree in human services, a master's degree in adult education, and a post-master's certificate in teaching in the virtual classroom. One of her greatest accomplishments was finishing her first two degrees as a single mom. Her clinical experience includes school-based, home health, and community integration for those with traumatic brain injuries. She is passionate about teaching and about the field of OT and takes every opportunity she can to educate people about occupational therapy. She is a leader in her job, where she serves in various roles, including the all-college faculty chair and campus governance leader. Sarah values civic engagement and volunteers in various capacities. Currently, she is the vice president of the local chapter of AMBUCS. She serves on the advisory board for the County Mental Health Association and just completed her term as the OTA representative for the AOTA's Volunteer Leadership Development Committee, or known as VLDC. In her spare time, she likes to do construction, spend time with friends and family, including her seven-month-old grandson, Dance and Laugh. Welcome, Sarah. Thank you, Bill. Sarah Unisi has been practicing for almost a year in the greater Los Angeles area. She currently works in the early intervention population, ages 1.5 to 3 years. This pediatrics is her first professional job outside of OTA school. She attended CBD College in downtown Los Angeles. During her academic career, she held several leadership positions, including State Association Student Delegate, SOTA President, and currently OTA Vice Chair on the Assembly of Student Delegates. Her term is from 2018 to 2020. Welcome, Sherry. Thanks, Bill. Thank you again to our guests for participating. We look forward to learning more about you during our conversation this evening. To all of our listeners, if you haven't already, we ask that you please go ahead and mute your device and we'll get started. Karen, I will first pose the first question to you, and then I will repeat the question for Sarah and Sherry to respond. So the first question is, can you please share your definition of leadership? How has your definition evolved since you were a student? Sure, Bill. Um, I guess my definition of leadership is thinking about it as being able to inspire and motivate those around me, um, leading by example, being transparent and open to ideas and change within yourself and others. Um, I like to be able to contribute to the success of others, whether it be my peers, students, or the clients that I treat. Uh, encouraging others by using therapeutic use of self, staying passionate and enthusiastic about OT um, is one of the things that I think is really important. Um, being able to lead a team and participate as a team member, maintaining your integrity and values with all the changes in the healthcare field, and Probably lastly, I would say demonstrating competency and you always have to have a sense of humor. Um, as far as Thanks. my mission, oh, go ahead. Go, no, no, go for it. I thought you were done. <laughs> oh. um, my definition um, that has evolved since I was a student, well, it's been a very long time since I've been practicing over 35 years that I've been an OTA student. Um, and I don't think I really had a good idea back then of what leadership was all about other than politics and corporate bosses. Um, but since then, I've been back in school, and I think I look for those instructors that motivated and challenged me. 
All right. Thank you, Karen. I, you sure compass a whole broad range of experience throughout your career. So now it's Sarah's turn. Can you please share your definition of leadership? How has your definition evolved since you were a student? Yeah, so this was hard for me to actually come up with a definition because it's sort of um, very broad. And so I, I like quotes, and I found a quote by John Quincy Adams that I think really summarizes it for me. If your actions inspire others to dream more, learn more, do more, and become more, you are a leader. So um, similar to Karen, I think encouraging and inspiring people to make a difference is, a le is what a leader does. Um, and so how has my definition evolved since I was a student? I think when I was a student, um, I always thought a leader was somebody that had skill and training and that they directed people to do the things that the leader wanted done. Um, I also thought that only certain people have, could be a leader, but um, which, which was really, you know, it was my limited worldview, I guess, at the time. Um, so I've realized that everybody has the potential it just depends on where and how we harness it. So, you know, I, I think that definitely my, my um, definition has broadened since my time being a student. Yeah, I definitely believe that. I believe the quote because I know personally in my own career, I definitely try to inspire students to think about what is possible for them. Sometimes it might be like so far ahead, but then it's like, well, and they see what I've done in my career, they're like, oh, actually it's closer to reality than I think. So thank you, Sarah. Mm -hmm. And yeah. Sherry, can you please share your definition of leadership? How has your definition evolved since you were a student? Sure, Bill. Um, so for me, since I'm a semi-fresh out of school student, um, uh, leadership is someone who, like a leader is someone who is a pioneer, who takes initiative, to make change and to create change and someone who as a pioneer creates like different paths for that change and someone who's able to like remold the old ideas of what society has. So someone who takes initiative, someone who has different skill sets and can show that skill set and inspire others to bring out the leader in them. And how has it evolved since I've been a student? Um, you know what, come back to me between 20 and 35 years when I'm more skilled. <laughs> and I'm, um, honestly, I, I, I want to see how leadership can evolve, you know, as I become a more skilled practitioner. So that one, I, I don't think I have an answer for that one just yet. Sure, no problem. Uh, you can lead us to the next question. Yeah, yeah. So Sarah, this time we'll start with you. Um, why did you become interested in leadership, and how has engaging in leadership created meaning or value in your life? Oh, gosh, that's so funny because I don't think I ever really viewed myself as a leader. But in looking back in my life, I, life, I think that they started to service when I was an OTA student. I got tired of sitting back and just letting things happen. And I wanted to have a say in the direction of my life and eventually in the direction of my community and of the profession, which I've done in recent years. So I think it began with frustration I had when I was in my OTA program. I was overwhelmed with the work, and I know that the students that are out there probably feel like that. Um, had a difficult time understanding the material by reading it myself. So I wanted to do something about it, and I realized that a lot of my classmates felt similar. So I started running study groups just out of my home, invited people over, um, and it was a big hit. And, um, you know, next thing I knew, I was nominated elected president of the class. And that really began this journey for me of stepping out and stepping up in part to influence change. Um, so I think it's an amazing feeling to be part of something bigger than you are and know that you have helped make a difference in something, be it a person's life, a community, the profession. So I guess in summary, being a leader has really fueled me to do more in my world. And there's nothing more meaningful to me than that. Thank you, Sarah. Karen, um, same for you. Why did you become interested in leadership, and how has engaging in leadership created meaning or value in your life? Well, um, for me, I think as I was working in the field, I started realizing that if there was something I didn't know about, I was kind of eager to learn and become more knowledgeable, um, kind of especially in regards to like regulatory guidelines with Medicare, Title 22, Joint Commission, and 
really curious about the business side of therapy. So I went back to school and started thinking about business management, and it seemed that the more I knew, the more the doors were opening up for me. Um, and so I was asked to kind of come back to a hospital and be their director of rehab. And I thought, well, if I can share my knowledge and motivate others, then that's kind of where I wanted to be. Um, I also feel like the meaning and value in my life, it increased my self-worth as a CODA. And um, mm -hmm. I would feel uncomfortable speaking and presenting in front of people. And I think being put in leadership positions it really helps your self-esteem, number one. And you realize that you do have a lot of respect from people and that you're not just an OTA. Um, so I think that's really what's been important to me. And I really enjoy going out and meeting people and sharing um, my passion about OT and how we can benefit, uh, especially some of these emerging practice areas. So um, I guess that would be my my interest in leadership. Thank you, Karen. And just to share why I became interested in leadership and how has it added value to my life. So I got interested in leadership because of my OTA program. My program director and one of our professors really uh, tried to increase our professional development. So they wanted to encourage us to participate in different things. And while I was a student rep for our state association, OTAC, um, we created our SODA with our SODA advisor. and. The rest is history. I just loved it. I thought it was so much fun to be involved in the OT profession because we could do so much and, you know, there's so much little things that people don't know that we could do. And while you're in leadership, you, again, become a pioneer and you can participate in different things and you can create, um, you know, meaning in different ways. And how it has created value and meaning in my life is I feel like it gave me more confidence and made me, it made me bolder not just as a student, but even as a practitioner, because you have to take that initiative. Sometimes you have to step up and do things and other people don't. So by just having that experience, I think has added a lot of value to my, like, my character and what I, how I view myself as a practitioner. So um, leadership definitely kind of helps me with that as well. So thank you. Yeah, and thank you guys. Definitely it was very insightful answers that I got. I know personally for me as a brand new OTA program faculty. So sometimes I will share with my own leadership stories of what I've experienced in my short career to my students during lunch. So definitely they can make some good stories for students to learn more about leadership. So now on to the next question, and it'll be Karen to answer first. How have you facilitated OTA student participation and involvement in leadership? Um, I've probably encouraged students to participate in their student organizations. Um, getting them, I know it's kind of hard when they're students to be um, part of AOTA and their state organizations, but um, really encouraging them to strive for leadership positions and using their um, AOTA as a springboard for building more opportunities for themselves. Um, I like to share with the students my success as being a DOR and a manager and kind of stimulate their thinking outside the box to really find other ways to use their OT brains, as I like to call it, um, to search for opportunities. Um, and I think it encourages them to explore leadership capabilities in non-traditional settings. So, and I often talk to the students and just say, don't let anybody stop you um, from achieving your dream. And if you are running a group for the homeless, that, you know, look how, that has affected your life, and it really has, I think, made a, a big difference with the students. Thank you, Karen. Now, Sarah, how have you facilitated OTA student lead? Oh, sorry, there's a lot of feedback. I don't know what's going on here. That's okay. Oh. Yeah, okay. It's Let me read that again. Okay. So, Sarah, how have you facilitated OTA student participation and involvement in leadership? Well, I'm lucky that I'm in education, so I have a lot of influence um, over lots of students. I've probably graduated over 
400 students in my tenure, my 20 years that I've been teaching. Um, there's, a, there's a few ways that I attempted to facilitate student leadership, and I don't always call it leadership. In fact, I don't know that I ever call it leadership, except tonight, as an example, I model it. In fact, some of my students should be on the call right now. I'll say, hi, guys. Um, so one appropriate, I do, I, I had to put a call out, sorry. Um, I do share my experiences and encourage them to venture out. So that's one thing is sort of modeling it. Um, I've also built into my program uh, these other sort of side expectations. So um, that, that really lead into leadership. So we require students to participate in civic engagement, which is really just pushing them out to um, explore um, their community, the world around them. and dabble in and volunteer in organizations and, and even with individuals, but they might not necessarily do that. So encouraging them to, to go out and give back to the community, we build that into the program. And we have an underlying expectation of professionalism and soft skill development, um, that, which is infused throughout the program. Students are encouraged to do lots of self-reflection, goal development. We have them create portfolios. So I feel like we're, we, we try in my program to lay uh, sort of the groundwork um, for preparing for the next step of leadership and encouraging it. Um, so, you know, the, the skill development, I think, is important. Um, and one other thing that we do, I started this thing called Confidence Club, and I think that one thing that deters people from stepping out into leadership is that confidence. And so um, while this isn't only directly related to leadership, I think that it does help, um, help them feel more confident stepping outside themselves and explore things that may not be typical for them, um, to test the waters, if you will. So, so those are some of the things that we've done in our program. Yeah, this sounds awesome. Thank you, Sarah. Now, mm -hmm. Sherry, it's your turn. How have you facilitated OTA student participation and involvement in leadership? So as a student rep, as a student leader in school, what I would do is I would present um, to my classmates what I would, you know, do what I would find during professional development events as like the student rep, as one of the leaders. So I would present to them what I would find, um, who I met, what I did, the to kind of encourage them to do the same, especially to the newer cohorts, because as I was the outgoing SOTA president, I kind of wanted to encourage the other incoming so uh, in incoming cohorts to want to participate more in SOTA. And um, the the outgoing SOTA group that I was part of, we did an orientation for the incoming SOTA group to kind of let them know this is what we did. We had a binder with, with all of our events, all the different ideas that they can do within like AOTA and our state association. So we try to encourage them by participating with them and kind of getting them involved with different activities that we had wanted to do that we couldn't let that we couldn't do because of time. And with the new SOTA president for our school, I met with her um, along with the new SOTA advisor and kind of again like encouraged her to kind of go out there, be in the community. Um, you know, what I hope to do is inspire her to be inspiring. Like you know, if you have something that you want to do, like just do it. You know, if you have an idea, a great idea for something, like do it, go for it, you know, be that pioneer because sometimes you have to be the person that steps up and, and does something because someone else, you can't depend on someone else to do it. So just by presenting, encouraging, talking, and, and making sure that I'm still involved with, you know, whatever, whoever is in the soda still, um, by letting them know that, hey, you know, you could, you could do whatever you want to do. So that's, that's my answer. <laughs> Oh, great. Yeah, I know for me it's like, on a side note here, it's like I'm like a PI sometimes, and definitely when I see students who are in soda groups, and I would definitely encourage them to think more critically than they already know. So thank you. And Sherry, you can lead us to the next question. Yes, so Sarah, we will start with you again. Um, we are often influenced as students by leaders who inspire us to pay it forward. Can you share an example of how you have paid it forward to OT students? Oh, gosh. Well, I think this podcast is an example. I think helping students across the country, if I can, realize the possibilities out there for OTAs and to validate that their voice truly matters is an important, as, and is important, I think, is, um, is one way that I, that I paid it forward. And, you know, more on, on a smaller scale with my students that I um, interact with day to day at my job, 
I think I've tried to structure a program that doesn't just prepare them for their certification exam, but prepares them for life. Um, so the skills that they leave with us are skills that they should be able to take in any air, arena that they work in um, and in any leadership capacity that they may want to take on. So those are my examples. Oh, sorry. Uh, Karen, no. now you, uh, we are often influenced as students by leaders who inspire us to pay it forward. Can you share an example of how you have paid it forward to OT students? Sure, and I totally agree with Sarah on this, that um, really when you're working with students and being part of their education, getting them to realize their potential is something that I think is, is really good. But when I was still practicing full-time, I used to take students from a couple, couple different colleges, and I wasn't always happy with some of their skill sets. So when I transitioned into uh, academia, I realized that I wanted to make some changes. So I wanted to make sure that I wasn't somebody that would say, oh, this does, student doesn't know this. I wanted to be able to change and say, no, my students do know this. And so I think just giving them the opportunity to um, really, I've been given the opportunity, I should say, to change some of our lab courses, to really make it a little more hands-on, because um, I felt the students were kind of lacking in some of it. And I think we can all teach students how to work with somebody, but it's the difficult students, and, or difficult patients, and the clients that uh, refuse that really make it's our, our jobs a little harder. So I like to do a lot of role playing with our students and I can make a really good patient um, and really get them to kind of be prepared and um, give them the feedback that they would need on how to actually work with difficult patients. Thank you, Karen. And Bill, you can lead us into the next set of questions. Okay, sorry. So I'm switching off. So number five. So what skills are important for OTA students interested in leadership? How do you advise OTA students to develop these skills? And Karen, it's your turn. Um, first and foremost, I think the students need to be honest and ethical. Um, they should be able to actively listen and communicate effectively and be able to accept constructive criticism out in the field. Um, I know it's always difficult to hear criticism and constructive criticism as well, but it's, it's good to, at, for me, I always want to tell them, don't say I'm just a CODA and don't let them, uh, anybody stop you from um, reaching any future goals. Um, how I probably advise students to develop these skills, um, I try to encourage them to emulate those with good leadership skills, um, to work on their active listening and their soft business skills, their communication skills, um, demonstrate and really talk a lot about critical thinking and good sound judgment. Um, and then I really try to get them to participate in AOTA and OTAC and go to conferences and to really think about their future as far as being broad, broad-minded, and don't just pigeonhole yourself into one area of practice. And that, you know, go to a conference and even if you're not in a certain area, just go learn about it. So I would say that's probably my full answer. Well, thank you, Karen. I know I want to share my own bits as well, because I'm going to jump in with all of that. So I know for me, it's less as a clinical instructor, sometimes during the downtime when we're doing uh, my fieldwork site, sometimes I'll ask the student a question. It's like, hey, uh, I will ask them, like, hey, what are your development goals for in five years, 10 years, even 20 years? So sometimes if I hear leadership about goals, like a, a, a association, AOCA, I'll definitely, definitely openly ask them some questions. And of course, as I mentioned earlier, during lunchtime, I would share my own stories. And I know I even posted some pictures on Instagram about my conference experiences. So my motivation is the same. It's like to see, to help students see what are possible for them. Now, Sarah, 
what skills mm-hmm. are important for OTA students in leadership? How do you advise OTA students to develop these skills? So I agree with everything that both of you said. Um, and I, just to, to add on to that, I think self-awareness um, is a big part of it. So I think you have to understand who you are as a person, and then you need to realize that um, there are people out there with different views, experiences, and perspectives that are all valuable. Um, so when you can start to understand other people and you start to understand yourself, it makes it a lot easier to step into leadership roles because you're, you're going to be working with all different types of people. And being able to understand that their experiences and perspectives may be different than yours is, is really important. Um, uh, let's see. Um, I also think the communication skills are really important. Listening, writing, and speaking. Um, I, I don't know that this is another self-awareness thing too, sort of to pay attention to your communication skills and um, sort of step outside of yourself as you're communicating to think how might this be um, perceived by somebody else? Um, you know, pay attention to how you, your written communication is a professional. Um, are, you know, are you writing in proper lingo? Are you, you know, can people pay attention to these things, um, you know, and, the, in the world, in the realm of leadership or uh, um, your job and things like that, um, typos, um, is your verbal communication clear, concise, and without judgment? Do you listen well to people? I think listening is a really, really important skill if you want to uh, dabble in leadership because you have to be able to listen to people and let them know that you're hearing them. Um, let's see. I also think that attitude is really, really important. You have a supportive attitude. You know, you should ask yourself these questions. A willingness to see different perspectives, a desire to make a difference. Um, I, I like to re- be reminded that a good leader doesn't always know what's right. And that's important um, for leaders to know that. It, they, what they do is they surround themselves with people that can be relied upon. Um, and, you know, again, the self-awareness, are you, can you do that? Uh, um, you know, are you good with, um, you know, admitting that you don't know something when you're in a leadership role and knowing that you can go to somebody else and trust them to do that? So um, I think those are some of, I mean, I could have a whole session just talking about this. So I will leave it at that. <laughs> but those are my top ones. <laughs> All right, Sherry. So same question to you. What skills are important for OTA students interested in leadership? How do you advise OTA students to develop these skills? Um, okay, sure. I don't think I need to answer this, but I'll answer it anyway. So um, as an OTA student, I actually think attitude is, like, number one, you know, having, like, that self-confidence and that, you know, sometimes, like, fake it till you make it type of attitude. Um, having, mm-hmm. like, that really just help in leadership because sometimes you do have to, you know, whip it out in order to accomplish something or get something done or to, you know, um, of an idea that you want that you want to go through so I think sometimes you know having like that attitude helps you accomplish what you need to accomplish and how do I advise OT students so kind of like what I said with the previous question about um, like the orientation I had with the, with the cohort after me the soda cohort after me so just by like talking chatting and you know letting them know hey I'm here if you need anything you have advice about leadership so um, letting them know what I did and like mistakes that I made so that they know what what not to do and what I've learned in leadership um, within leadership roles, hoping that they I encourage the the cohorts after to uh, to learn from from my skill set. So that's my that's my answer. I like it. So Sherry, you can finish off the regular set of questions, yeah. and then yeah, we have yeah. quite a bit of bonus questions coming up. So go for it. <laughs> All right, so last but not least, Sarah, we'll go with you. We'll start with you. What is one OTA myth you have busted about being an OTA, and how did you demonstrate that? So I think the myth that we are just assistants, and I put that in, like, caps. Um, You know, I think some people say, oh, I'm just an assistant. But we have to remember that we are occupational therapy assistants, not occupational therapists assistance so we work together with the OT to assist the profession which is important to remember um, I used to feel like I wasn't smart enough or had enough to offer the profession until I started thinking um, about my role from that vantage point 
And you know what? I think um, OTs have a very important, I, I mean, I don't think, I know OTs have a very important and unique perspective on things that we need to be confident in sharing. And the profession wants to hear it. Um, but unfortunately, a lot of OTAs don't, put, don't feel like they are capable or smart or, you know, there's a number of reasons why OTAs don't put themselves out there. So um, since I started thinking like that, I put myself out both in my workplace and in, in the community, small at first, um, including AOTA, in fact, and that was recent, the last four years, and that was really empowering. Um, because I didn't think little old me would have anything valuable to add to the conversation. And it was such an awesome experience. And I had a great opportunity to advocate um, for OTAs. And there's, it, was, it, was just, it was just great. So um, that's it. That's my answer. <laughs> Thank you, Sarah. Karen, out to you. What is one OT myth you have busted about being an OTA, and how did you demonstrate that? Well, I, I probably have to take on to Sarah's answer as well. Um, and I wrote the same thing, kind of thinking, just because you're an OTA doesn't mean you shouldn't be treated um, without respect, and that we have a vast amount of knowledge and skills. And I think that um, I've been able to, our, our university has a, a master's OT program as well, and I've been able to go in and do guest speaking for our PTA program, our MSOT program, and really kind of talk about, you know, what our OTAs are able to do out there. And one of the things that I would say I probably do is I, when they hear about my number of years of experience, they're like, wow. And you're, you know, they're say, and you're an OTA? And I say, yes, I love being an OTA. And, you know, they will often ask, you know, why didn't you go back to be an OTR? And I said, because I really have enjoyed my entire career being a CODA, an OTA, you know. And so I think just making sure that the, the different disciplines that we work with um, know that we're not just OTAs that we do have a lot of knowledge and especially some of those that have been out in the field for a number of years compared to somebody maybe that had just maybe graduated with a master's, that we have been out there and we've been treating these patients and their families and have, have learned some of the different tricks. And being open to, to share that. Don't, don't walk into a clinic saying, well, I've got my master's and so I'm, I'm better than you. It's, you know, it's a collaboration, and we need to be partners with our OTs. So um, I guess that's my main main thing. And I'd Thank like to you, just Kim. share that, you know, yeah. You're welcome. Sorry, I'll keep going if you, if you want to add more. No, go ahead. <laughs> that's okay. Okay, thanks, Karen. So um, for my OT myth that I busted and how I demonstrated that, so I'll say from a student perspective, I think an OT student myth is that OT students aren't as involved in professional development or aren't involved as leaders. So the way that I kind of demonstrated how I busted that myth is um, I participated a lot in our professional development. I presented a poster at our state association conference last year, and I think I was the only OT student to do so. So I think by taking the initiative and, you know, just going out there and doing what you, because I didn't think it was possible. I went, as a student delegate, I went to our OTAC conference a couple of years ago, and I saw these OT students presenting with their professors, and I thought, oh, my gosh, like, I want to do that, and I didn't really see a lot of OT students do that, so I went back to campus, and I told my professor, I'm like, I, I want to present a poster that's so cool, like, that they're able to do that, and I think that type of myth of, oh, OT students can't, or they don't, or they don't want to, you know, is just, you know, just a myth. And I um, was able to present the poster, and I was so excited to do it because I would see all these OT students and OTD students presenting their posters and, present, and presenting, you know, sessions. I'm like, oh, man, I want to do that. So um, I was really happy to, you know, accomplish that, and I was really, like, you know, involved in all this stuff. So I, I, um, I really I enjoyed that. So that's, that's kind of my demonstration of busting an OTA myth. <laughs> Thank you, Sarah and Karen, for the, for the two answers. Those are awesome. All right. So now it's my turn. But I know before I open the floor to questions, I know I personally saw your poster, Sherry. I remember we had a chat 
a year ago, right? About your poster, and little do we know, yeah, we end up here today. my poster. You know, podcast. <laughs> I know. I know. Was like, there's a small world kind of moment, isn't it? All right. So now I'm going to open the floor for questions, and there are quite a bit. So any of you can jump in when appropriate. The first question I saw was, why do you think OTAs have to be leaders? Mm. Well, I think, (laughs) right. Um, I'll take a stab at that too, and I agree with you, Karen, like why why not? And I think um, uh, we have to be for ourselves. Um, You know, I I see um, particularly like with changes happening um, to the profession in terms of reimbursement and things like that, if we don't, have a voice and take leadership opportunities, even if on the local level or the state level or the national level, whatever your level, if we don't represent um, the assistant level, um, you know, I, 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 w- I would worry about the, the profession, our, you know, our, the OTA level of education. So I think we need to be, in part, we need to be advocates and spread awareness um, and represent the profession in a positive light. Well put. I absolutely agree. Well, very well put. Any of you guys got anything to add? I think she answered it uh, right. very well. Yeah. I think, yeah. All right, so, yeah. <laughs> All right, so next question I said, what is one workplace tip you can give to the OTA students audience when they go out to the workforce, to be leaders in the workforce? Can you repeat that, Bill? Sorry. So what is one tip you can give to the current OTA students now so that when they go out to the workforce in the future, they become they can become leaders in the workplaces? Mm, okay. Um, this is Karen. I can I can kind of talk on that. I think by going out and being the best person you can and engaging with clients and the staff that you're with and really being professional and engaging in your learning and showing that you're interested in the field and that you're there to learn as much as you can. And go whatever situation you're in, going in with a positive attitude. You know, it may not be your favorite place to be, but you know what, if you go in with a negative attitude, you won't learn. I totally agree. Can I add on to that just a little bit, Bill? I think um, going in with like a can-do attitude, like nothing is going to be a barrier. That you're going to do, take initiative, and you're going to do what you can, even to make bad situations make them positive. You know, everything should be. If you look at everything as a learning, as an opportunity for growth, um, I think that that's something else that can also um, help you in the workforce. And in yourself, with yourself, yeah. All right, next question. Can you tell us about a time that you advocated for yourself as a qualified leader in our profession? Yeah. Well, um, advocated for, like, myself or sort of for OTAs? Yeah, for yourself. Yeah, this is the question that says for yourself. Okay. Well, I'm going to give a little bit of a broader, in, 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 a, in a way it's for myself, but as my um, time on the VLDC of the AOTA, I was the OTA representative on the VLDC. And one of the things the VLDC does is we um, give out the awards um, for the profession. And so um, we also look at the award process and we look at the award categories and how things are structured. And I advocated really, really, really hard um, to have us look at the roster of honor, which is the OTA um, equivalent to the fellow, which is the, which is the OTA, the OT um, high honor within the profession. And um, so in a way it was advocating for me because at some point I'd like to, you know, um, I would aspire to become a ro- on the roster of honor, but um, I advocated really heavy 
um, for that. And we made some really significant changes that I think will open up the opportunity for more OTAs to qualify for that, um, for that um, honor. Awesome. So another question. So in what ways do you advocacy can play in the role of a leader? Hello? Can yeah. you repeat that? Sure. I'm going to have to put on. So, hold on a second. Uh, so, uh, let's see. I recently have been inspired to advocate for myself and other students. In what ways do you find advocacy to play into the roles of a leader? Is it... Bill, is the word advocacy or efficacy? It's advocacy. Advocacy, A-D-V-O-C-A-C-Y. Sorry, there's still some feedback. Yep, that's right, that's right. That's right, that's the word. Okay. Oh, gosh. I don't know, Sherry or Kieran, you have anything for that one? Um, how, how can you be a leader? How does advocacy play into leadership? Is, was that the question? Yep. That's the right. That's the well, one. So as a leader, you are an advocate. So um, during our ASD, as soon as student delegates um, meeting, we had different panelists come in. And one of the panelists, you know, during the panels, we had leadership panel and advocacy panel. And, you know, both of these panels, all the panelists who, who participated in both, Bill, you would know you're one of them, um, play both roles. You know, when you're a leader, you're an advocate because you're representing Oh, hello. I think you got dropped off. I think so, too. Um, oh. And I'll go ahead and add on that, too, that I think, you know, as, as an OTA becoming a director of rehab, um, some facilities actually will hire OTAs as, as the leaders and, and PT assistants. And, and I think being able to be in those roles where you do have the respect from your colleagues and peers and administration because you have advocated for yourself and your knowledge. Um, being involved in, you know, hospital committee meetings and organizations and in showing that you're willing to learn and I think that makes a big difference. Yeah, so I personally am going to add on to that question. So I know for those of you who don't know me, I actually have the privilege You there, Bill? Hello. Sounds like he cut out. Did he cut out too? So it's me and you, Karen. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> oh. So. Uh, Hi, everyone. This is Michael Lopez, coordinator for the Community of Leaders. It appears that Sherry and Bill have both lost connection. Um, oh, no. I will take over at this point. Yes, hopefully they call in. Um, I'm not sure exactly which question Bill was responding to, um, so I will just start with a fresh question. So um, one of the questions we received is, if you could only give one tip for finding slash using your confidence or voice as an OTA in the workforce, what would it be? Oh, that is a good question. I need to think for a second. Um, I would say really to reach deep and to find therapeutic use of self and find out what is important to you that you have to share. And once you find that, I think that really helps people come out of their shell, is really using that therapeutic use of self. Yeah. I, I, I think in, when you start down this path, I think um, – Start with something you're passionate about. I think that also helps. That goes back to the therapeutic use of self. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think if you, if you start with something you're passionate about, uh, it, it's easier to build some confidence in it. Once you have little successes, then your confidence will build. Agreed. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah, and thank you, Karen. Um, I think we have time for one more. 
Um, this next question is from Lauren. She asks, um, what is some advice you would give us OTA students to give us confidence in school? Also, did you, at, did you all at one point feel like you were overwhelmed and have no clue what to do? Question mark. <laughs> oh, God. Um, yeah, of course. Go ahead. Um, I would say, you know, make sure that you reach out to your instructors. Um, it is overwhelming. Um, I love to have um, some of our alumni come in and talk to our students. And it helps kind of give them the light at the end of the tunnel um, feeling that, you know, they say, you know, really pay attention in lab and, and you know, learn the skills and, and be an, an advocate for your own education. And reach out to if you have a, a, a learning center or um, peer tutors that you know are able to really help. Yeah, um, I think that uh, oh, there's so many things. First, I know I like to tell my students that not everybody is an A student, and not that I'm trying to um, tell you that you shouldn't strive for A's, but you know. My BC students are usually my best clinicians, and so don't, uh, don't kill yourself in trying to only get the A. What's most important is that you're learning the material. Um, and, you know, ask questions, meet with your instructors, be inquisitive, learn from failures. Don't beat yourself up when you don't do well on something, but learn from it. Make sure you can take lessons from those things that don't go as planned. There's lessons in everything. I fail all the time, and I know this, and I sort of embrace it and just figure out what can I learn from it. You know, I, I think generally, I don't know if students realize this, but the rule of thumb, for every credit hour you're taking, you should be doing two to three hours of homework outside of class, which is why 12 credits in a typical 15-week semester is considered full-time because you're 12 credits in class and another 24, credits, or 24 hours of homework, there's 36 hours. So you gotta, you have to put the time in, um, and if you don't put the time in, it's gonna, it's gonna be a struggle. You know, success in school will be a struggle. So those are some of my tips. <laughs> All right, Great. thank you. Yeah, yeah, thank you. I think I add to Sarah's comment before I close the show. So for me, it's like, for the new people who know who I am, they didn't really know that I actually was a C student myself. And I actually prefaced that during my time when I was lecturing to my class. I said, like, hey, you know, I got some C's of the class that I'm teaching you guys now, but I really work hard to become your instructor. So I definitely feel that way. Anyway, so I'm going to close today's podcast. And so I want to thank our guests, Karen Donnelly, Sarah Trainum, and Sherry Unissi, for participating, and on behalf of our audience members and AOTA's community of leaders, I sincerely thank each and every one of you for all of your contributions to our wonderful profession and for supporting the leadership development of AOTA members. To our members, thank you for joining us, and we encourage you to head over to community to continue the discussion about OTA student leadership. We'll see you next time. Have a great night. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Good luck, students. Bye. Thank you. Good luck. Good luck. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.